topic that is important to me and I'm somewhat passionate about. Um, I have to be honest with you, when Scotty asked me to be involved in, in a form of camp, I wasn't sure what to do and um, I just thought, you know what, Scott, if you need me to do a form, I'll do it on this. Even though I thought, you know what, there might only be six people there. I said, that would still be okay with me because I don't mind talking to six people if they're energized about something. So I'm thankful all of you here. I need 20 copies. I thought, that's more than all I'll need. Um, but I'm thankful that you're here because I think it's an interesting topic. And it could be that when we're all done, you say to yourself, well, he sure is interested in it. I'm not sure that I get it. And that's okay. I understand that that might happen, so whatever. But let me take you back a few years. Um, I was a, a freshman in college, and I was taking an English course. And the teacher said to all of us, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask all of you to buy a small spiral notebook. And I want you to write something in it every day. So I, I know for some of you guys, you might think it's like a diary. I don't, I don't care what you write. I just want you guys to get into the habit of writing. And you're going to turn it into me once a semester, and I will not read it because it might be personal. I just want to see that you've done it. So, you know, I was kind of reluctant. I thought, what's the point? You know, whatever. So I wrote something. I, would, I kind of started off by um, making commentaries on politics and this and that. And um, it was kind of superficial, but it was just my thoughts as an 18-year-old at the time. Of course, we handed them in, and she said, thank you for handing them in. I'm handing them all back today. I couldn't resist. I had to read them. <laughs> well, thanks. And I thought to myself, I'm glad I didn't put anything personal or criminal in there. So, um, but nevertheless, you know, why did she read those things? Why did she, why could she not resist, and why did she read them? It's a question you can answer Say that? That's a very altruistic thing. That's probably what she said. <laughs> and good, you know, you're, you're backing her up, but we don't know her. So why did she really read it? She was nosy. She was nosy. And you know what? If you were in her shoes, most of you would have scanned a few pages, I think, too. Okay? That's our nature. So that was, that was the first. And you know what happened is, after that thing was done, I had that notebook. It was sitting in my nightstand. You know, and I'd come across it when I was reading my Bible and stuff. You know, and every once in a while I said, you know what? This just happened to me, this thing, this situation. Or whether, and it wasn't necessarily spiritual things, although I did start documenting spiritual things, victories, losses, problems. Um, I, I still continued to write, you know, a political thing that happened. I'd be mad about it and I'd dash off a thing or whatever. Um, and... I've continued to do it. Now, I'll be honest with you. As time has gone on, I may only write in it a couple times a year. But what I... Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. But the point is, I'm still doing it. And now that I was 18, so now this is about seven years later now. Um, <laughs> 20 years later plus, I'm finding it interesting to look back on my focus, my perspectives, my goals, my desires, and how, not necessarily that they're all funny and silly, but it's, it's just a neat insight to my psyche at 18 and at 20 and going through, um, you know, wanting to be married and not being married and all that stuff. There's stuff in there, trust me. I'm not going to share it with you. 
But the point is, it's, it's a real neat resource. I mean, I talk about when my children are born. I talk about, you know, when something really great happened in my work or when um, this weird thing happened and I bought this new car and it kind of came in a weird situation and I found it at this, you know, funny stuff, serious stuff, strange stuff, angry stuff, happy stuff. And it's a neat resource. And the more I thought about it, and spoke with my dad about these things and my mom about them. I thought, you know what? They have not done any of this. They have not done any of this. And so I started to ask myself a question about legacy, about this whole idea. So this has been brewing for decades, literally. Um, so the point is, really, that I, I want to start by, by saying, what, what is a legacy? I'll ask you that question. You don't read it. What's a legacy to you? Something that's been around a long time. Something that's been around a long time. That I can pass on to somebody else. That you can pass on to somebody else. So it's prior to me. Prior to me. Anything handed down from an ancestor is what I took out of the dictionary. Something that's worthwhile enough to hand out. This is going to come back later today. Something that's worthwhile enough to hand down. How many of you... I'm sorry. Okay. Large or small? Right? There was a book that we had um, on top of this ancient radio at the cottage that my folks bought many years ago when I was just a kid. And it was a German martyr's mirror. Am I correct? I have two sisters here to back me up if I'm budging. Um, and as I recall, inside that old, thick book, from I think the, the published date was 1870-something, there was handwritten notes here and there on a sheet of paper. And we, do, we, do we know who it was from? Beautiful script. I'm like, oh, if only I could write like that. And I, I don't even know if it was in English, the notes. But you know what? That was something really interesting. And I started to think about over the years, what would it be like to have something like that from my grandparents or my great-grandparents or my great-great-grandparents that were in the faith? Maybe they weren't even in the faith, but they went through struggles. Wouldn't that be amazing? Point C is loss through the ages. How much information has been lost through the ages? It's unbelievable. It's immeasurable. How much... Can anyone tell me anything specifically about your great-grandfather? in terms of um, a specific conviction that he had about the Bible. Can anybody do that in here? One. Um, why can you do that? Because um, of the relationship I had with Jesus. Okay. Oh! <laughs> Man, it's not a plant in the audience either. Thank you, Sister Evelyn. 
They told you, and you're, why in the world did you write it down? What provoked that? We're done. <laughs> We're done. Simple as that. She heard them talk about it, and it was so interesting, and she wanted to remember it. What does writing down do? It documents it, and it avoids the degradation of time and generations retelling the tale. I mean, I tell my kids some of the crazy exploits that my dad went through, but you know what? It's not as good when I tell it because there's nuances that I'm missing and I just don't have it all together. And that's why when my dad started looking into his um, family tree and his ancestry, I said, Dad, you know what? Document it and I want you to also document for me about your life. And he started working on it. He got energized. I was excited about it. He's not here today. He's coming later today. But he showed me the first draft, which was, did he show it to you? It was probably about three pages. I'm like, and you know what? We're giggling. And I said, you know what, Dad? This is awesome. But buddy, I want more specifics. It's a good start. Don't get me wrong, Dad, but I need more. And he's been doing more. And the point is, go ahead. Great point, and we're going to talk about that again later on, but there's, I'm going to try to give you a few tools, and I'm sure you'll have more tools, but it's an important point. And she took the time and the effort to plan something to say, you know what, 
before this is gone, I got to grab it because it's fleeting. Okay, great. Um, let's read a couple of these scriptures here. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which were not written in this book. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have There's a lot about the reason for this tied up in hope. It's not just, oh, isn't that interesting? But it's a lot about hope and legacy and persevering and sameness of Scripture through the ages. Last thing I want to talk about is through the ages, uh, loss of the ages. You know, what I'm trying to do is build in you a, a reservoir of strength to do this work that to me is really important both on a, a large-scale basis, on a personal your-life-scale basis, but as well as for those of you that have parents and grandparents still living or great-grandparents still living. There's some younger people here. You know what? I want to fire up something in you. I read a book recently. It was a, a fictional book, but it was one of these historical fictions that talked a lot about the Library of Alexandria. Uh, and I got another book now because that was so interesting to me that I, I'm reading about the Library of Alexandria. And it's a little bit tough reading because... It's basically um, a book of evidence put together about this great library. And if you don't know about it, I'll just briefly talk about it for just a couple minutes. Um, after the rule and the conquering of Alexander the Great, a couple hundred, between two and 300 B.C., um, obviously Alexander the Great's father, Philip of Macedon, as well as Alexander, understood that when you conquer great areas, you need to learn about these people to rule them. So Alexander started saying, you know what, I've got some people around me, some of my boys, gather some stuff about these people and let's put it together somewhere. Let's start a library. And uh, shortly after Alexander's death, um, with changing political things, and I don't have it all real clear in my head, but um, because of some things that happened in, in, uh, in Greece, there was a library established about 100 years, 50, actually maybe 50 years after Alexander's death, where they actually kept his coffin, allegedly, um, with him in it. And, they, and it was part of the palace that they started this library. And the idea was, like this, this one gentleman that had actually been the son of um, Alexander's father's physician. So he was in the group, I guess. And he was, he was given the task of starting to gather books for this thing. And they tried to get books from all over the world. They decided, we want a copy of every book everywhere ever written. And it was very interesting how they, you know, they would just start gathering things. They had the Septuagint actually came from there, which is the, the, one of the initial translations of the Old Testament from, um, I guess, Hebrew into Greek. And um, so that's where that kind of came from. So from that course of time, uh, for the next, like, 300 years, this library kind of grew and things happened to it. And they would, they would get books by going, listen, I need a copy of that original manuscript and I'm just going to borrow it. Here's some money. And we'll return it to you when we're done copying it. And later on, they'd give them a copy and say, keep the money, we're hanging on to the original. So, I mean, all this kind of stuff was going on, you know, this subterfuge. And one guy from another library said, listen, I'm gonna, I've got all the books of, um, you know, uh, some of the great you know, writers from, from uh, Greek antiquity. He's like, I've got this great library. And actually, it wasn't the books themselves, it was... Um, 
it was commentaries on the books. And he sold it for this great sum. They're like, what? This isn't the thing. This is nothing. So it's, it's an interesting story of how this library grew and had literally thousands upon thousands of manuscripts as well as other antiquities and museums and whatnot. Um, and then over time, though, things happened. And we really don't know exactly what happened to all that stuff. There's theories that during some of the wars, one of the uh, leaders at the time loaded up ships and sent it off, and it's hidden somewhere in a tunnel, well hidden somewhere in the world. But we don't know. We know that a large part of it was allegedly destroyed um, through one of the um, Muslim takeovers in Egypt, and the Christians later burnt a bunch of stuff because it had nothing to do with the Gospels, even though it might have been just you know science and interesting stuff that had nothing to do with like religion, but it was not Scripture, so it was not good. So all this stuff destroyed, destroyed, and you have to ask ourselves. What was one of the greatest inventions to humankind, to the advancement of humankind? Printing press, Printing press Gutenberg, movable type. Why? People could read the Bible in their own language, but what else? It increased literacy, it increased books. And instead of having one book that was crumbling on papyrus or whatever, we made a thousand copies or five hundred copies, and there was copies enough that some of these survived, although many diff- didn't. You know, if there was no such thing as written language, we'd probably be sitting in a stone-hewn amphitheater with papyrus and no overhead projector and leprosy among us. <laughs> I mean, really, it's amazing what. Advances come when knowledge builds upon knowledge builds upon knowledge. And we have to take that from a spiritual point of view and say, you know, we've got the Bible. Thank goodness this thing was written down and not just a series of, you know, stories that we hear that totally get warped over time. But the legacy of our forefathers, our ancestors, our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents, what they went through, how they lived, These things, to me, are riveting, and I wish I had more stuff. Part two. Has anyone ever talked to their parents or talked to themselves saying, boy, I ought to write this down, but you don't do it? Anybody? Found reluctance in this? What was the the problem? Why did people not want to go beyond just telling you the story again. It takes effort. It's, time. it's a time commitment. What else? Sometimes it hurts. Good point. What else? Okay. Okay. Fair enough. We take it for granted. 
language barriers, okay. Takes time. Okay, you're not, you don't want to put something down that people can't understand that good. How do I, how do we get it down? There's a lot of barriers, and, and there's barriers for us personally. It takes time, it takes effort. Um, but especially when you talk to parents and grandparents and try to encourage them, they're going to come up with a list of reasons of why it, I'm too busy. I mean, it just it can't get done. So let's come up with some reasons of why we need to motivate both. I'm going to talk about this maybe in both ways and maybe not be so clear, but I want to motivate you to do it for yourselves and I want you to motivate the people that <coughs> maybe <coughs> excuse me, aren't here, your parents. <coughs> and um, find a way to motivate them to say, hey, this is important. You know? First of all, we need to understand that memory is very limited. I hear stories firsthand from my parents and I, I can't do it like they can. I just can't retell it with the same level of accuracy. Um, and if there's a question about it, my kids will say, well, why did you do that? I, I can't fill that in. I don't know. So we have to understand, first and foremost, memory and just relying on that is very limited. And if we look historically at societies that only had retelling of the stories in no written language, their level of advancement, Stone Age, not good at all. Writing is critical, okay? To me, I mean, they say that information is doubling how often now? It's like, used to be every 10 years, now it's like every 17 and a half minutes. I, it's crazy what it is, but it's, it's unbelievable because everything's getting documented, including garbage, okay? But, so the, but what that tells us is we've got a lot of tools for documenting stuff these days. But today's greatest loss to me is what we've really been talking about is the stories and not even necessarily only um, you know, spiritual ones and spiritual impacting stories, although those to me are perhaps the most riveting, but even just struggles and trials. I had an experience not long ago where during a Bible study at home, a brother who's not an old man but older was retelling a story about his escaping in, in World War II from a concentration camp. and uh, you know, It was a riveting story. And afterwards, I went up to him, knowing my leaning, I said, you know, brother, you've got to start writing this down. And his response to me was so depressing. He said, nobody cares about that. <laughs> so point number one that we have to get across to people is not only memory is failing, is these things that you think people don't care about are very interesting. I found a letter from a guy in the martyr's mirror from 120 years ago who I don't even know who it is, and I found it interesting. How much more if it was from my grandfather or my great-grandfather? How much more if it was telling about a story where, where the horse died in the middle of a snowstorm and they prayed and hung, I don't know what happened. I told you a story this morning. Total fiction. How many are like that that are even better than that thing I invented and we don't have it? It's gone Forever. I want to know. I got to spend more time with my parents. I'm going to give them this tape. Say, get on it. Get motivated. And I, I don't want to. Uh, Mom and Dad, when you're listening later, I appreciate all you've done so far because I think it's great and it's more than most people. However, I want more, and I want to make sure because you know what happened in that martyr's mirror. I don't know. 
my dad's not super sentimental about certain things, and I have a feeling that I don't think he threw it away, but I think it's been handed off. And I feel a little bit sad about that, even though I couldn't read it. But the point is, is that I want information. I want information because it's valuable to me. And I think it's valuable to us as a people. And it's more than just interesting. It makes Scripture more tangible for me. You know, when you talk to your kids about a situation in the Bible, and they say, and guess what? This happened to me yesterday. And God delivered me. It makes it more tangible. It builds their faith. I want that. That's important. We talked a little bit why we don't document our lives. And one of the biggest, I mean, we talked about a lot of great reasons, and I have a couple of them written down. You, you wrote a lot of them, or you gave a lot of them. You know, it takes time. It takes effort. I don't want to do it. I don't think it's going to be interesting. My language use might not be that good. It might be broken English. I don't care about that. I don't care about that at all. I can even, I can even help you with the grammar if that's an issue later on, but just write it down. Actually, I think it's cooler to see stuff. We have a book. Sorry, Mom and Dad. Of the grammar lessons when they took English classes when they first came in, I think, to Canada. My mom, a student, my dad needed help. But it's cool. And the point is, it's cool to see where they were at. It's neat to see. To, I, you know, I don't want it sanitized. I want it in the broken English, actually. Anyways. Why we don't do it? We think that it's mundane. You know what? It's not. But even if it is mundane for you and you write it down, the most mundane thing read about 200 years later is incredible, is amazing. So realize this. If you write it down today and it's completely boring, with each year that passes like an investment, it gains in interest, in quality. And at some point, even if it's boring now, in 300 years it might be a movie. You never know. Imagine, if you will, among your Encyclopedia Britannicas, among your dictionaries, spiritual books, song books, a segment up on your shelf of great-grandfather's legacy book, grandfather's legacy book, dad's legacy book, mom and her family, and yours. Incomplete, but begun, started, so that if something happens right now, tomorrow, and you're only 18 years old or 22 or 35 or 47, there's something documented. Something you may consider mundane, but is eminently valuable. Imagine that. What a resource that would be to pull down a book that was written 100 years ago about a spiritual struggle and you say, you know, this is exactly what I'm going through right now. The names are different. The faces are different. The nuances of detail are but they're the same thing. How did you get through it? Just like the Apostle Paul did. With love, compassion, perseverance, forgiveness, humility. Wow! Worked for Paul? Worked for great-grandpa? Gotta work for me! What a resource. Getting the work done. I'm on schedule. Getting the work done. 
probably not going to be easy. But one of the things, I'm talking about my own experience right now in that journal that I've written and kept a number of volumes over the years. If something happens that during the course of the day or course of the week, I think, you know what? This would be a good thing to document. I'd take a post-it note. I'd say, fell off the roof, broke both legs, and i stick it in there. And you know what? I'll get to it. And there's sometimes two dozen post-it notes of things the kids have said, things that have happened to me, and they're incomplete, but I try to get to it before six months goes by. And usually, I think most of us could find a window of opportunity of maybe a half hour within every six months. Don't you think? I know it's possible. Priorities. Um, If you're dealing with someone other than yourself, parents that are reluctant, and I think that's going to be a big issue for us, that's mundane, I don't write, you have to find a way to make it palatable. Okay? Um, um, What... We're going to talk about it actually in a minute, but one of the ways to make it palatable is to do the interview. You do the bulk of the work. Just let them talk like they've talked before. Um, do a videotape. Gives you a visual as well. It's a, I mean, a neat reminder that's visual as well to see you know, even more the animation. How neat is that? Um, we've done that with, with your mom, my mother-in-law's parents, and it's a neat thing. And even if they're talking about stuff that's interesting or not interesting, it's a neat resource. And you know what? Doing an interview with them, it's not like you even have to, you know, put the camera four inches from their face. Okay, okay. 1923. Start. Go. January. You know, you set up the camera a little bit of a distance. You don't fiddle with it. You say, you know what? Remember when you told us about that thing that happened? You know what? Was that before or after you were married? Here it comes. You know, and all of a sudden you've got an, an hour of really neat dialogue. And you know the beauty is, it's not eight millimeter film that costs whatever. It's three bucks, five bucks. It's nothing. It's dirt cheap, and it's easy for them. And they don't even know that they're helping you out with this ulterior plan, this ulterior motive. Oh, I want to document, even though you think it's boring. I want it. Okay. So we have to find ways to motivate them. Um, Tell me what you think if you've had some experience with how do you motivate someone to do it when we know it takes time and energy and effort um, and they may not... You help the class. How do we motivate our parents and grandparents or ourselves? Absolutely. Great idea. Pull out an old photo book... The camera's running. Pull out the old photo book. Say, you know what? Who is that? Boom. Story. Great. Great idea. What else?
tough experiences, not wanting to relive it somehow, right? Did you write something down? Good. That's a, but that's neat, you know? And that, that's the thing that's going to be tough to fight through. Some, some people are going to be more reluctant. I mean, some people by their nature just don't talk about the past much. Maybe because they don't feel like it or they are painful or whatever. So other ideas. Written form. Neat. Neat. Good. Hey, you know, just like the librarians of Alexandria, sometimes you got to pay to get the goods. <laughs> Other ideas of how to, how to motivate. I mean, what's coming out here is that we have to find a way that's easy for them and unobtrusive in a way that, that makes them willing to do it. Any other ideas or thoughts of how to do it? Worth the effort, huh? Especially now that he's been gone a short time. Good. Other thoughts? Okay, the notion of, you know, I don't want just to hear a story. Is I got a problem. Tell me what you did. What was your solution? So it's not just tell me a story, but give me solutions. Excellent. Anybody else? We've got to keep moving, but these are great ideas, and I think that we have to find a way to motivate them and to get the work done that's palatable for them or palatable for you. Right. Excellent. Excellent. You might need multiple cameras. <laughs> it might get sophisticated, but I agree. That's another great idea. You know, again, the camera's behind the glass. Don't think it's there. Just start talking and... 
Excellent. So, I, you know, great ideas. I appreciate that. Assess progress. You can't just say, okay, mom and dad, here's the plan. This is what we're going to do. And expect it to get done. You have to prod yourself and you have to prod them to do it. And maybe even have to you know, tell your kids to start doing it. Prod them. Hey, have you written anything down lately about that struggle you just went through? Because you're going to find it interesting down the road and I'll never read it. You don't have to ever show it to me. Just lock it up. <laughs> so I'm not tempted. <laughs> but the point is, I, I think it's important to prod one another. To, you know, once something happens significant, good or bad, so you know what? We ought to write it down. Make a note of it so that we have it for future reference. We've talked about this a lot already. An interview method as an alternative. You know, it makes it a lot easier for the work to get done if it's in a way that's easy. And we talked about doing it on videotape, cassette tape, whatever. Taking notes yourself. Um, you have to find a method, but there's a lot of different ways to do it with today's technology. So that's, that, to me, is exciting. Finally, you have to really emphasize this, I think, repeatedly, the value of what you perceive as mundane. Ask them if they're reluctant. Say, show me what you have from your grandmother or your grandfather. Uh, I don't have anything. I just have one note that they wrote. Is that precious to you? Absolutely. Hello. That kind of stuff is precious to me. What's mundane to you, useless, boring to you. I could not believe that this brother said that this escape story from a concentration camp that he perceived, and I know he's wrong, that his kids would be like uninterested in that. I said to him, you're wrong. You better talk to them about your attitude because you're wrong. Write it down. Okay. Any other thoughts about the idea, the principle, conquering reluctance and getting the work done? from all different kinds of walks of life, some raising the face, some not, some weird circumstances. You're right. Some of those stories are, are bizarre that I've heard. I went into this place and this guy dropped a pitcher on me and it broke my foot. I went to the doctor. On the way there, the cab driver says, you know, whose blood was shed from me. You know, I mean, it's, they're, they're weird stories, but they're real life. And I want to know them. All right. I have a piece of paper. I only made a few copies, but... There is another one of these in the office with Elsa. If you want to make a copy yourself, you can have a copy. Just go there and make it yourself. Um, this is the page that I've just kind of broken down so, uh, an outline of some areas that I think um, are neat to cover. Um, and again, some of it has to do with, with spiritual things and other is just life. And I think that knowing the stuff about life gives us better insight into the spiritual gives us a fuller picture. So that's why I, wa I want to know everything if I can. I'm greedy. Um, the first section that I have is family, and it covers a lot of area. You know, grandfather, what do, you know, what do you know about your grandfather, your ancestors? You know, my dad's been working on this family tree. He's got a bunch of names, and you know what? It's neat. However, that's all I got. And it's better than nothing, but it wouldn't it be cool if I knew that this guy made barrels for a living? And this guy was a coppersmith. And these were all farmers, but uh, they didn't grow regular stuff. They grew, you know, I don't know, cucumbers only because they had good fertile land for it. I, 
I want to know that stuff, and I don't know it, and I feel a little bit cheated by that. And it's nobody's fault. It's just that we haven't had a formal camp about it. <laughs> Kidding. So if you get them to give you some insight, and I have to do this more with my parents, because there's a lot about my grandfather, my grandmothers that I know, um, grandfathers and grandmothers, but I, I kind of want to know more about, like, what was their personality like? Because then it explains why I'm this way. Okay. Um, it's an excuse is what I'm trying to say. No. Um, childhood memories, whether they're funny, sad, difficult, or life-changing, um, these are neat things. These are neat things to know. Relationships. Um, the friends that they had, why they had those friends, what were those friends about? You know, my dad tells me about a friend that he had when he first moved to Canada um, that they ended up working together installing windows, replacement windows. And if anybody knows my dad, my dad's a pretty energetic guy. And my dad says, this guy was unreal. He'd work like 17 hours a day and then more if my dad wouldn't let him. It's like, wow, you know. And these are the neat kind of things that I know a little bit of, but it'd be neat to know more. What, what was a day like with this guy? Why was it tough or why was it good? What did you learn from him? You know, so these are kind of neat things to know about. Um, relationships and friendships, we said, and then love, engagement, and marriage. To varying degrees, this is applicable or not applicable, but um, these are big things in life. And everybody here has relationships with friends or family or spouse or children that involve love, that involve conflict and pain and good things and sorrow and loss, write it down. Tell me how you felt because it's going to only do help me down the road. Education, work, career, achievement, things that they've done. You know, there's a lot of stuff there. And I'm not saying that it has to be done tomorrow. Chip away. Do small bits and pieces. And that's another thing about motivation that I forgot to mention. You know, we need to not overwhelm them with this entire page. Say, okay, you've got three weeks. You're on vacation. I need it back then. You know, I think the most, the two, the two keys to making this palatable is number one, get a process that's easy, whether it's making notes, interview process, videotape, and let them understand that it's not a big deal. It's important that it get done. But it doesn't have to be done today. Just make a beginning. Do a little bit here and there. You, want, you don't feel about talking about a spiritual hurt? Talk about a career thing. Document. Write it down. Give me some stuff. Children. Child rearing, if you have children. If they had children, obviously, if you're here, they've, you have parents. Um, but for those people that are aunts and uncles that maybe didn't, you know, they had interactions with children and, and were mentoring and all kinds of things. Write down these things of these relationships so that we know what happened. Next segment is interests. Travel, vacations, you know, special places that meant something to them. Why this was a neat trip or why it was a bad trip, a good trip. Interesting place, what I learned there, who I met there. Interesting things that I've seen and done. Not so much even just places that I've gone, but I saw this happen. I was here when that happened. I watched this president speak or I saw this guy get shot. Tell me what happened so that I don't just have a newspaper sanitized version. I want to know what your perspective is on this situation. Um, personal creativity. You know, we're living in a day and an age now where we're more and more our jobs are designed to be, you know, there's a lot of mundane things in work, but 
We want people to be creative and do things. And you know what? My grandfather, my great-grandfather, can I tell you how much time this, spe- this guy spent thinking about, I really need to have my creativity expressed in my work and in my life. <laughs> never! Probably never thought about it. But did he? I don't know. Maybe some of these guys, I mean, I have sisters that are great artists, and I, maybe these guys were really gifted, and they did some artwork, and they were cleaning up the house one day in their later years, and pfft, junk. Ah! Give it to me! Hang on to it! But we don't know, because nobody wrote it down. Ideas, hobbies, expression, art, you know, there's so much interesting things there. Things! Things! You know what? My mom's dad liked cars. I know where I get it from. I can download all the blame to him. Yep, kind of kidding. But he, he liked Cadillacs and he had some Buicks. And if they squeaked, drove him nuts. I know where I get that from. I can't stand it. The car that I got a couple years ago, over bumps the back. I, I worked for weeks with neoprene and things to get that back folding seat to stop squeaking. But I'm happy about that because Grandpa was the same way. Treasured items, gifts, equipment, purchases. What tool did you really like, Grandpa? Well, you know, when the claw, the hammer came out with the claws on the back, that was awesome because we never had that before. Pulling nails was so easy all of a sudden. I mean, I'm just making stuff up. But, I mean, that's the kind of thing that's neat to know. Life lessons as we conclude here. And these are really, to me, the big ones, but the other ones are interesting and help shape this last section C. Life lessons, spirituality, interaction with God, trials, tests, lessons. Document this stuff. And you know what? It doesn't even have to be, if you went through a tough thing that, that took, you know, three months or a year to get through, I don't need you, Dad or Mom or Grandpa, to write this thing in full detailed form, 500 pages, a paragraph, a sentence, a blip is better than nothing. Make it palatable. Give me something. Life-changing experiences, extreme trials, extreme joys. I mean, these are things that happen all the time and like, they're tough to talk about, like Evelyn was saying. But boy, it's a lesson for me. It's an Ebenezer for me that, that I have, knowing you went through it, that I can rely on. And what are Ebenezer's all about? It's about strengthening us, building us up. So glad that I have stuff in the Bible where people made mistakes and had problems. Can you imagine if the Bible was this theoretical book of perfection? We would not be here, I don't believe. I don't think we'd be here because people can't relate to it. Show me the dirt. Show me the pain. Show me the anguish. Show me the blood. I want to see it. I want to know because it helps me and it strengthens me. Favorite scriptures, songs, gatherings. Does everyone know their parents' favorite song? Who knows the favorite song of their grandfather? You know what? That's a neat thing to know. Principles to live by. You know, 
you've heard these, if you're talking about your parents, you've heard these all your life. Have them write it down. You know? Maybe your parent thinks that one of the biggest things in life is don't put all your eggs in one basket. Maybe you've heard it five billion times. But you just got to write it down. Because it's them. It's part of who they are. What I aspire to. You know, can you imagine all the people that died before they achieved this great thing that was in their spirit and mind and heart. You understand what I'm saying? Let's say that Handel, the composer, died of tuberculosis at the age of six. The world is missing something. How many things do we aspire to? Maybe we don't even get there, but we just aspire to it. I want to be able to do this someday. And maybe in only a small way I reach it. Maybe, maybe I'm a composer in a small way. And I, the songs that I've written and the songs that I aspired to were just pathetic. Not worth publishing. But you know what? It'd be cool for an ancestor of mine to know that that was a passion because maybe they'll have it. Or maybe they'll, they'll question if they have it and they say, you know what? My grandfather wrote some music. And this surge in me is more than just, I think it's cool, but maybe there's something in me and I pursue it. And I, I write this song that changes the world around me. Because someone wrote down, I wanted to write great music, but I never did. The legacy doesn't even have to be about achievement. Or what you've done. It can be what you aspired to. Isn't that exciting? What I believe. What I believe. What does the Bible mean to me? What are the elemental truths that are the foundation stones that keep me going day to day? What are the things that are deep and profound in my understanding of life that I've learned? You know, we, we read the Bible and we discuss and we talk and we, we're in class and we're, we're bantering about ideas and we're struggling with things. We're not sure we understand it because the Bible is ambiguous sometimes a little bit because it wants us to dig in. But you know, the Bible is not ambiguous about a few things, is it? The Bible is not ambiguous about loving one another. It's not ambiguous about passion for the Lord, about passion for fellowship. It's not ambiguous about forgiveness and about deeper things than my agenda and my wants and my desires and my focus. It's about something profoundly stronger than you or I could ever document or understand from our own thinking. It's about love, faith, hope. But the greatest of these is love. Thanks.